Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Brian. The real estate market is crazy. Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team at Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com hb to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com hb. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S. And what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. Hello, everybody. Welcome to whew, the exciting, as always, post-game show of the Seattle Seahawks uh, versus Miami Dolphins. This is Real Hawk Talk. It is Real Hawk Talk for your 4-0 undefeated Seahawks. It is Real Hawk Talk for only the second time in the history of the franchise going 4-0. And uh, we got a lot to cover. So um, I'm going to bring in a, a host for today, um, always rational, um, Evan Hill at Evan in SEA. We should also have Real Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons wearing his Real Hawk Talk gear. And we may have one more guest. We'll find out. All right, Evan, take it away. Yeah, week four, Seahawks-Dolphins. Seahawks beat the Dolphins 31-23 in, which, in what was really uh, – a frustrating football game. Um, they won the game, which is most important. But man, this was a this was a really tough day for the offense. And to be quite honest with you, the the box score does not indicate. You know, thirty one points does not accurately reflect how badly this offense struggled today. I thought there were some interesting personnel decisions with the running back group. I thought there were some a little bit of play calling woes. There were some big drops by our receivers. Um, it was an off day for this offense. And, you know, we talked about it all week, potentially being a, a trap game for this team. The Dolphins are not a very good football team. Ryan Fitzpatrick is very on or very off. And it was just a rough, rough day. Um, I have a million different things that I could talk about in my head right now. But Jeff, uh, how are you doing right now? What's your what's your thoughts on this game? I think you summed that up well. Um, the whole game, I kept feeling like that game should have been like 30 to three for the Seahawks and multiple times throughout the game, whether it was the red zone interception or the fourth down, they didn't get near the goal line or just some of the drops that DK Metcalf had early in the game and Tyler Lockett and 
Yeah, it just felt like a game where they just seemed a little disconnected offensively. The score, as Ivan said, looked pretty lopsided at the end, but that was a one-score game, like within a field goal game for a couple of plays. And if they don't have that like 26-yard drive, 26-second drive at the end of the half, who knows? It was kind of a weird game. It was kind of a odd game, which we all kind of thought midweek it would be. It was really hot in Miami. It didn't rain, but it wasn't a very inspiring game, but they won, they got out of there, and that's all we could ask for. I'm here to tell you, let me, let me, let me, let me rephrase this. The most important development of this game today was that Shaquille Griffin is back. That was, that was the most important observation I took away from this game today. Trey Flowers was absolutely awful as usual. Shaquille Griffin had an interception multi, or did he have two interceptions? I'm, I might be hallucinating. One. What, it was one interception. Okay. Uh, multiple pass breakups and key red zone situations. Uh, from my eye, he was impressive. Brian, what, what's your take on Shaq's play today? No, I thought it was a really solid Shaquille Griffin day. Uh, you know, I thought this is what we've expected from him. I don't think he played like some spectacular game that was like way out of his range. I thought this was basically what we expect from him. And I don't know if anyone's been harder on Trey Flowers than I have. Um, and uh, I don't think he was outstanding today, but I thought it was clear that Trey Flowers had been given the instruction to not let something get behind him. And I thought his coverage was closer today. I thought that the plays that were getting made against him were generally in front of him. And he was generally there to bring down the player within 10 yards or so. So to me, Trey Flowers went from an F to like a D plus in this game. Um, so there was progress even on that side, even if uh, it wasn't up to what we want from that corner position. Uh, Nathan, I'm going to bring you into the show. Nathan Ernst, welcome to the show. Uh, we're going to dive right into the secondary with you. Let's, let's pop over to Ugo Omadi. How do you feel like Ugo played today? Uh, he played fine. Um, he looks like he's, uh, you know, a solid, uh, Nick corner. So, um, that's been really awesome to see with, you know, losing Blair and everything, having him step in and play competently. Um, and, and I think he's flashed, you know, obviously at times too. So, We'll see what he what he is, you know, over a few more games. But right now, it's hard to complain about him. He seems like one of the you know the least of their worries on defense. Let's stick on the secondary for a second. How do you guys feel like Ryan Neal played today? Jeff, I'll start with you. Uh, he flashed a lot early in the game. He had a, a he had the pick on the uh, the first drive. He had a play where he could have had a pick six, but went to blow the guy up and made the mistake not to go for the interception, and that ended up working out. It was kind of quieter in the second half. Didn't really see too much out of him unless I'm not remembering well, but he, he made plays, which is well, like when Lano Hill played that spot last year and some of their backup safeties, they had just like total stiffs in that spot last year. So to see a guy come in to make a couple plays while Jamal Adams is out, I was encouraged by it. I don't think there's too much to take away from it really, but to have a capable backup that you can throw in and not be a total liability. I think that's a plus for a guy who was pretty much a practice squad player. Any other thoughts on Ryan Neal before we move to the other side of the ball? I thought he was, I thought he played with a lot of physicality and um, that was nice to see. I thought when he was in coverage, he was, he was close by. I, it's impossible to know even with all 22, exactly what responsibilities are. So uh, you know, a safety position, especially, I think is kind of tough that way. So I, I don't know on that front, but um, I thought he was really solid. I do want to call out. So, so Shaquille Griffin had three passes defense today, which actually ties his career high. I just went back and through and looked. He had, he's only done that twice before in his career, once in each of the past 
two seasons. So um, this was this was a this was definitely on the better end of his career games. Can we move it to a negative topic for one second? Well, can we, or, wait, or, or do we want to stay I, I positive? Say if we're going to go negative first, I, I, I think that I, I maybe saw a different game than other people did on the defensive side. Maybe talk I'm to us, talk like, to us. Uh, I thought, I thought that um, they played relatively integrity in like high integrity defense. I didn't see a lot of major breakdowns where people were running open. I didn't see any, two play touchdown drives that went the length of the field. I thought Miami was having to like chunk their weight, like move their way down bit by bit. And yes, they were giving up some yards, but um, I thought this was a positive day for the defense, even accounting for the fact that they're playing the dolphins. I think if you had told any of us that with, you know, know, heading into the fourth quarter that the dolphins would only have 12 points and have almost no big plays and have a couple turnovers, I think we would have felt differently. And I also want to say KJ Wright dropped three interceptions today. Like if he makes two of those plays, one of those plays, this game's totally different. And those like two of them were not hard interceptions. The, the last one was tough, but KJ though, like that's not a, with him, that's not a fluke. <laughs> that's not You're one. probably right, right, but it's still, it's still, it's still, so anyway, I mean, the dolphins go one for three in the, in the red zone. And I just thought, I thought this was a, a step forward, a meaningful step forward for the defense, even accounting for opponent. I, I don't disagree with you, but I'll just say this. Watching Fitzpatrick scramble for a couple of first downs oh. <laughs> on third and eight, third and nine, third and ten. I just want you to know that was really demoralizing. He does that, though. That was oh, a yeah, very Ryan Fitzpatrick game. There I'm not there saying a, he doesn't do it. Yeah, I'm just saying it was humiliating. It didn't stop yeah, me. No, that's, I agree with Nathan. That's kind of so him. Loud. Like He's scrappy. Yeah, he is. But I'm with I'm with I'm with both of you here because when he got that that uh, ten yard scramble to keep the drive alive on the the touchdown drive, forget the touchdown f- scramble, which was the worst defense. The Ken Norton is the one. If See, anyone deserves, you, that's my point. Yeah, Brian, you go on. Go on, Brian. How old are you? How old are you, Brian? Forty five. Are you forty five? Okay, I thought you were a little bit younger. Ryan Fitzpatrick is thirty seven years old. Okay, he's eight years younger than you. It was essentially like you scrambling on third down and converting he does this though ryan fitzpatrick is like he's crafty and he can he can move better than you think he does and this is just the thing he does like he he is yeah i don't care it was a 40 year old running all over us and it was humiliating but but nathan can can we agree though that fourth the, the the play that they scored the touchdown on at the end to have nobody there to 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 account for the quarterback Knowing that, knowing exactly what you just said, which is like Fitzpatrick does that regularly in his career and had done it regularly today and have nobody there to defend that. Come on, right? That's crazy. How do we feel like Cody Barton played today? Yeah, tell, tell me, tell me more. Go ahead, Nathan. Well, hold up. So let's get back to, to talking about, because I, I want to like echo what you said. I saw a lot of people that were kind of freaking out about the defense and I didn't really get it. Like I thought at worst they looked okay. And yeah, they're not the Legion of Boom. And, you know, I mean, they're not a good, a good even defense probably, but they didn't look bad by any stretch to me today. They, they gave up some yards here and there, but they kept them mostly in check. They made them work for all the drives they had and, and mostly forced them to field goals. So I think what I think there was, I think people didn't quite know how to place their frustration with the offense 
because it hasn't been the deal this year. But like that was like if you told me, like I think you're exactly right. People would have been happy going into that game if they knew in the fourth quarter they'd only given up 12 points. And if you had told anyone before the game that they'd only scored 17, people would be surprised and say, "What wrong? What's wrong? Did somebody get hurt? Like what's going on?" So I really don't didn't quite get the the frustration with the defense. Cody Barton's a bummer though. I mean, <clears throat> he looks good he he looks like he's a already a quality good uh linebacker in coverage um but if he has to come forward and do anything he just struggles incredibly and i don't think there's a better example of it than that missed tackle on breda in the middle of the field where you know he claps down on it well it should have been tackled for like a three-yard gain and instead breda who is not like a big or strong back or anything he's not Jordan Howard, you know, it wasn't anything like you were meeting him with a full head of steam or anything, and he just can't get him on the ground. And you you can't play if you can't make that tackle, I don't think. So would you guys say it's or would you guys feel like it's fair to say the defensive performance we saw from this defense today is about the ceiling for this defense? No, because I thought Barton played pretty bad and I thought Shaquem looked pretty good for the short stretches he was out there, especially that last uh, last couple drives. So I mean, and just Jamal Adams didn't play. Jamal Adams, no Jamal Adams. Yeah, Quinn no Dunbar didn't play. So, no, I think I that think Diggs has looked. I hope that's looking. not the ceiling. I, I I think Diggs has a lot better play in him too. I Agreed. I was not particularly impressed with him today. So yeah, I think there's actually uh, you know considerable upside from there. But but guys, Jeff, you started talking about this. It, sorry, I've been if I'm jumping in, but 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 like. We're talking about players making the the, the yeah, defense was... better. Is the coach going to get any better? Is the defensive coordinator specifically going to get any better? So, well, uh, yeah, I really agreed with kind of what you and Nathan were saying, that the defense, their game plan was clearly bend, but don't break, holding the field goals. And I saw people were using that as like a slight against them. That was clearly their game plan. But to answer your bigger question, that was my big takeaway. Like one of the plays you guys referenced, that third and 10 Fitzpatrick run, they sent a two-man rush. Like third and down and 10, that two-man rush is just some of the things that they do every week, either schematically or at the end of the game, the soft coverage that made that a little scarier than it needed to be. I just see a lot of concerning signs from Ken Norton, a lot of stuff we talked about where he's just not putting his guys in positions to excel. And some of the Barton versus Shaquem, Shaquem stuff we thought about last week. And I don't know. I just see a lot of stuff where I don't know if Ken Norton's up to this tactically. I think he's not – that good as a defensive coordinator and every week and we haven't really played the teams in our division who are gonna like McVeigh and Shanahan what they're gonna do against this defense it's a little alarming and even Cliff so no I don't feel great I the players did play a lot better like Sha- Shaq Shaq's a great call out some other guys in the secondary I thought KJ had a great game but man I, I don't know Ken Norton scares me well so where uh, I, I agree I mean I, I think all the concerns about Ken Norton are fair I think that you've seen more like I think he does probably get a little too much uh, vitriol, but I, I think there are obvious examples of just like plainly bad, like you can't do that in that situation play calls, which we didn't used to see as much of. But where is Pete in those situations? Because I really think that overall, like the whole bend don't, but don't break thing, like I agree that's what they were trying to do, and that's what they've been trying to do for the entire time Pete's been here. That's kind of how Pete builds his defense, right? So yeah. that stuff's to be expected. They've been fairly talent poor, you know, during his time. But where is Pete when these just like boneheaded defensive play calls come in? Is he not in a place to like step in or does he not do it because that's like he doesn't want to 
step on his defensive coordinator's toes, but like at some point, <laughs> hopefully now. I mean, the, the 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 truth is, Nathan, Pete's responsible for everything that happens on offense and defense. At the end of the day, he can overrule anything. So you could you could really put the blame or credit for anything that goes on at his feet. But I don't think he's making a significant number of overruling, you know, vetoed play calls. At least that's not my assessment. Yeah. And well, that's kind of what I'm saying. And like, I know that we talk about Pete all the time on here and I'm not trying to like, just turn this on him, but like at some point, like you said, he's responsible for it all. He is the defensive guru, right? He has the opportunity. So like, it just seemed weird that like you kind of keep, like you keep seeing these weird defenses that get called from time to time. So we've been heaping praise on the, on the defense. Can we move to the other side of the ball? Yeah. Is that okay? I complain. I want to hear about I, it. I, I, because I wanted to bitch a little bit because this offense today really, really struggled. And I remember specifically in our postgame show on Wednesday night, we talked about how bad this Miami defense was, both in the secondary and in their run defense. What what happened today? Uh, let, actually, let's start on him. Brian, talk to me about Travis Homer. He – he is a fine I, – I consider him the definition of a replacement-level player. Like, he is, he is the every running back. Like, he can do a little bit of everything. He does nothing special. Like, and he's not a guy that should ever be part of your regular rotation. And we saw in one bleeping play, one play that DJ – his first touch, he did more special things in that one touch than Travis Homer has done – in any of his touches, and I'm including the big long runs Homer's had. I haven't seen him. He might have open lanes and run long, but he hasn't done something that was super special. DJ Dallas showed elusive um, talent, like and vision and explosiveness. There is no excuse, and it's so frustrating that we see that. And I know I sound totally like a fan because I am, but I don't understand how coaches can be like, "No." you're young. We're going to keep you, you know, hold you back and let you come behind, behind the, the vets. I'm like, he looked better than Carlos Hyde to me. Like he looked like he might be better than Chris Carson in certain situations. Like I know that's super early, but he had some flash and it's like, get that guy on the field. It's funny too. Cause it's not like Homer is like, uh, it's, he's not been in the league for five years or anything. Right. I mean, <laughs> so the vet thing, I don't know if that makes any sense. It's a second thing. He's, right? he's a rookie last year. And he was a late round pick, too. It's not like they got some big investment in him. It makes it way worse. It felt like every time he touched the ball, the offense started to struggle. Yeah. No, he's a drive killer. I will say, though, like, you go and watch these runs, and I don't know what – like, I agree. Like, I mean, and and at some point, you know, whatever the reason is, like, he's touched the ball enough times, and it's just, like, consistently bad. So there's something going on there. But – I don't know on a lot of these runs what you're looking, what you look at and say, well, Chris Carson would have done this or that didn't work because he did that. Like a lot of these are, uh, he, it does seem to kind of have some bad luck in that. Like sometimes he's just getting blown up in the backfield before he had the chance to do anything. So just pass the ball instead. I agree. Yep. That's the answer. Yeah. A hundred percent. They're wasting plays on those. I, I know it's coral. You can do a correlation causation argument. But to me, it is very clear, like when he's in the game, um, he just consistently is not making plays that are, are offense positive. And totally. And he's 
He's the he Brandon Jackson playing. of offense. He shouldn't be playing. I'm okay with him in, in a two-minute offense kind of situation. But even then, DJ Dallas looked great on picking up blitz pickups. Uh, even the play that Russ threw the interception, DJ Dallas had a monster blitz pickup. It just happened to be there was another blitzer coming. Looked great catching the ball. Looked great breaking tackles. That's a plenty fine for a third down two minute back so anyway i i just i was super pissed off about that and i've been pissed off about them playing carlos hyde earlier uh yeah homer's homer's on my on my shit list for sure he's the uh brandon jackson of offense mm. jeff what what was your take on the offense today i know you talked a little bit about the running back usage do you feel like do you feel like the receivers fell short a little bit today w- what's your take it's, it's hard to say without seeing the, the film. I'll pull my Nathan here. But it seemed like um, Miami made a concerted effort to take the locket out of the game. And he, he didn't have a catch until the fourth quarter. And Brian Flores, is a, he's a defensive back guy from New England, he came up through there. And it seemed like they had a pretty good plan. There were some big drops early in the game. So we were all pretty frustrated about that. But – it seemed like with all the passes to Olsen that were targeted early on, a lot of passes to running backs, and it seemed like those first two guys just couldn't get separation. So I don't know if it was on them. I don't know if it was on how they called the game. But those two didn't dominate the way they had in every other game. But it's hard to say, like, the receivers didn't make a difference when David Moore makes the play of the game with that crazy footwork on the sidelines. So going to give shout-out to him. But, yeah. I don't know. I want to see why the locket was not part of the game and why DK was kind of DK looked like he was dominating early, but kind of just fell off until the end. So, you know, he's not a flashy player, but Greg Olson has been reliably consistent for this offense. I think he had like three. Mm, big... He's, he's gotten better. He started real slow. Well, I'm not saying he's flashy. I, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying he came up in big moments. Like, didn't he have three third down conversions that were all. I, I think you're right. And, and Evan, one of the things with him is when the Seahawks were dropping the ball, both DK and Tyler dropped passes that I'm pretty sure would have resulted in points. If those catches had been made and they continued those drives. Olsen stepped up and made a really tough third down catch that stood out to me. So I, I know there's some folks are like, Hey, you're being too hard on DK for that drop. That wasn't, that wasn't the hit. It was the hit because he didn't secure the ball when it, when it arrived, like he had plenty of time to catch that ball the first time and not drop it after he got hit. He just didn't. And, and Tyler's was just a once in every three seasons kind of brain fart, but yeah, I thought Olsen, I thought Olsen did his job. He had a great catch. I mean, that was a crazy catch he had toward the end of the game. You know who I want to shout out, actually, that we haven't even mentioned yet? Jason Myers. He earned it, dude. 55 that yards. That was huge. 55 yards. He's been flawless this year. Nathan, any uh, comments, crow eating or... One of the many advantages of letting Russ cook is that a player like Jason Myers doesn't have to matter. How many mistakes has Jason Myers made this year? None. Interesting. Because of the limited opportunities he's had to to, to uh, take. He hasn't been kicking extra points this year. A few. Sure. Are we going <laughs> to pat him on the? Are we going to pat him on the back for making extra points? Evan uh, yeah, lots of kickers are. Really are low bar. What? <laughs> it's a low bar, but other kickers are missing that bar. So, you know, you know well, I think that's true. But if, if we're going to if we're going to be talking about Jason Myers, we're sure it's telling me talking about David Moore assholes. Like, I just mentioned him. I'm just saying we need to let Jason Myers cook. 
he's killing it. I just said he won the game. What did you say, Jeff? I must have missed it. He asked me how I evaluated the receivers, and I said David Moore won the game for them. He did. He did. So like three big plays. What do we think of David Moore though? I mean, I mean, uh, two years ago he looked like a player that was emerging. Last year he just like had it. He was not good at all. And through this season, it wasn't just the catches. He had a great move to on the reverse um, to to spring f- free for like twenty yards or whatever it was. It seems like he's maximized every one of his opportunities this year. Like, I, I mean, what do you guys think about David Moore? I'm I'm just kind of curious. I mean, it seems like they they're using him to his strengths consistently, so that's that's good. Um, but I mean, we talk about it all the time. Uh, player development isn't linear, right? It, you, you're not going to get a rookie doesn't get better from the second year to the third year to the fourth year at the same degree. Right. And sometimes players will take a step back. Uh, and right now it looks like the player that we saw, because what this is year four for him. So, you know, the first year or two with him where he looked, like you said, like he was emerging into something is maybe the true player. And, and last year, for whatever reason, and, and there's all kinds of stuff that we don't know about players too. Right. I mean, all kinds of times it, it comes out after a season that somebody has been dealing with an injury or this, that, and the other personal stuff. So who knows? But I, I think at this point you have to look at last year as the fluke. Uh, and this is now just him kind of continuing to look like what everyone thought he could look like. And I think they have a better understanding of his strengths. Last year, they were trying a lot of like one-on-one jump ball situations with him. And that doesn't seem well work today, but I thought like his strength for the most part seems to be when he has the ball in his hands and when he's running, I guess, horizontally to get, he blew, like he made that one defender look silly. And then he had like a 26 yard run or something, but I think they're getting a better feel of how to use him versus how his was used last year. Why don't they, why don't they run more of those swing passes to him and DK? <sighs> Like, that's an easy pass. That's the first time we've seen it this season. Yeah. Anyway, Evan, you're going to ask something. Go ahead. Uh, I was actually just going to make a comment. I, I think Freddie Swain has come along nicely. I know. He, I think he only had one catch today, but, like, this dude could end up being, like, a solid contributor for this team. A- any differing of thoughts that, on Freddie no, Swain? That's a great call out because all he does is catch the ball. And he sh- his one not catch today was, like, a toe, like a toenail. <sighs> from being an amazing touchdown on first glimpse. I actually thought that was a touchdown. I thought you guys feed in, but yeah. I mean, what was he a seventh round pick this year? Something like that. Yeah. Around there. Uh, Brian, I know you're tight on time. Any other call outs before we dive into a couple of uh, questions in the chat? I would just say it is both good and bad that the Seahawks defensive tackles accounted for half the quarterback hits today. <laughs> so, I mean, I want to give, I want to give a little bit of a shout to, you know, Brian Monet. I thought that sack was a good sack. It was a legitimate play. Um, Puna Ford, I thought had a decent day. Um, you know, Anthony rush even had a decent day. Um, but for the edge rushers, I mean, Benson Mayoa had one QB hit. I actually thought he played okay, and maybe we'll find out. He actually was part of that interception at the beginning. And Demontre Moore had one QB hit. That's it for the end. Alton had a good play at the end, but that was a run stop. Yeah, and these this is probably the worst offensive line you're going to play the whole year. Mm. But that was not good. Yikes. Not good. Uh, 
Ryan B, thank you for the super chat donation. Ryan asks, and I'll throw this one to you, Nathan. Do you all think the zone D will stay, or was this only a Miami game plan? Well, they've been running zone all year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's kind of a yeah. question. Yeah, that that'll that'll stay. Yeah, that's not going anywhere. Uh, any other call outs? Um, I'm just racking like Russ played today. Oh, go ahead, Jeff. Well, we've spent a lot of time talking about this for years and kind of hammering the coaching staff. So I thought a couple of plays were pretty encouraging compared to how they operate in the past. The, the end of the half with 26 seconds left, almost every Pete Carroll team I could think of would have tried to go into the half and maybe kneeled there. And them going down the field and getting seven points in 26 seconds, I think that was a huge play in this game because that's a great. Oh, that was like right when the offense was really fizzling and, I thought that was a very encouraging sign. I, I know that the one play didn't work and some people disagreed on whether they should have kicked it, but I thought going for it in fourth and three when they declined the penalty, I thought that was really encouraging. I think that's kind of a sign of where this team is. And I think that's a good sign moving forward. I think that's such a great call out, Jeff. And, and a couple other things I'll call out is no penalties on the day. Um, that is incredibly rare. We, we harassed Pete Carroll about that quite a bit, but that's pretty amazing. Um, there was one penalty, but wasn't accepted, but there's so zero penalty yards. Um, the offense I thought was like, it C- wasn't there one on Ugo. Nothing that right after accepted. the, no, okay. not accepted penalty. Oh, okay. Cause there was a back-to-back, there was an offsetting and then the Ugo one was not yep. accepted. I see. And, and, uh, I think the offense had a CC plus day and they scored 31 points. Um, I think that is meaningful. I also think going on the road, 10 AM Miami against a team like this that you're not going to be up for they got the win mm-hmm. end of the day that's what matters most and uh they didn't leave it to the very last drive to have to win it um at least in the same ways that they've done it in the last two weeks so four and oh baby i'll take it i think they're well, on their way to five and oh so let's see how, let's see what happens four and oh like you said the win is the most important part but can i give an update on a couple of other critical morning games the cardinals got their asses kicked by the panthers Teddy Bridgewater was, was routing them. So the Panthers beat the Cardinals 31 to 21 Cardinals fall to two and two. Um, the Cowboys lost to the Browns. The Browns put up 49 points on the Cowboys. <laughs> 49. I did not misspeak 49 points. Uh, I'm just looking through these other games. Vikings beat the Texans. So the Texans fall to, Oh, and four, which is another huge loss uh, in this afternoon slot right now. The Giants are playing the Rams. So go Giants, obviously. And the Eagles play the 49ers on Sunday night football. The division is uh, shaping up well for the Seahawks, it appears. It is. It is. And on that note, um, uh, going to thank everybody for joining. Um, if you haven't already, subscribe at patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Uh, five buck gets you in. We're running a special right now. If you sign up for the year, it's even less than five bucks to get in. Um, and you get into our Slack channel. There's, there's great conversation is always going on there. We've got now literally hundreds of people in there. It's really, it's really cool. Um, come have some fun with us and also subscribe, click the notification, give us a thumbs up. Uh, if you're listening, uh, subscribe in Spotify, uh, in Apple play and iTunes, all those places. Otherwise, have a wonderful rest of your Sunday. Your Seahawks are undefeated 4-0 for only the second time in franchise history. 
We'll be back with you this Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Pacific, for the next episode of Real Hawk Talk, previewing the primetime Sunday night football matchup against the one and three Minnesota Vikings. All right. Take care, everybody.